Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Remarkably Us, the podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Roan, sober gal living in Southern California, navigating the ins and outs of life. After what we'll call the great breakdown of 2019, I've been journeying through self-discovery, sobriety, trauma, divorce, relationships, all of the above. In this podcast, I'll have solo episodes where I talk about my life, the things I have been through, am dealing with, have dealt with, and all the tools I've collected in maintaining a consistent environment for self-growth, love, and discovery. We'll also hear from others who are breaking barriers and climbing incredibly tough mountains. Get ready to get inspired and motivated to laugh and to cry, but most importantly, to love it. Let's jump right into it. Today, I'm sitting down with the one and only the most wonderful woman on the entire planet, my mother. My mom, Kelly Ackerman, is the director of Montana Veterans Affairs, a retired Air Force Master Sergeant. I got that right. You got it. Okay. A wife and a mother to the most amazing kids in the entire world. I'm sitting in my mom's house in Montana right now at the start of my month-long mountain escapades. She has this absolutely stunning house up in the mountains. I know there's tons of smoke right now, but it's just... I'll post lots of pictures on my Instagram of my trip so you guys can see. It's just, it's so amazing up here. It's really quiet. I barely have service, which is a whole other ordeal. (laughs) But it's opposite from San Diego. So it's always so nice to kind of escape the mountains for a little bit and be back with my mom. So today we're going to talk about self-worth, raising strong women, and the importance of emotional security versus emotional neglect. Mm-hmm. But first, hmm. hi, Mom. Hi, Shelly. How are you feeling today? Um, I'm feeling great. It was good to get off early on a Friday, but no, I'm, I'm feeling good. Loving having you here. I know. Oh, my goodness. This is awesome. And enjoying all of the time that we get to spend together. But no, it's good. Isn't this different having this conversation with me like this than if we were just like sitting in the kitchen like talking normally doesn't it does it feel any different to you like being with a mic attached to you it does right I don't know what and watching Aaron and watching Magda there's it if I don't know what it is it's different you it'll will ease into it I'll ease you into it so I want to start by telling everyone or I want I want you to tell everyone kind of what brought you here to this moment, sitting with me in your dining room, kind of your story, like your journey till now, you know, you could say like it started in 1805 in a small town on the prairie. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Just kind of your story. What brought you here, your journey? Well, it probably did start in about 18 (laughs) with my great, great, great grandfather who was escaping Ireland with the, because of the potato famine. And he traveled all the way to South Dakota where he met my great, 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 great grandmother or great, great, great grandmother who is, um, was hundred percent an Indian squaw, uh, purebred Indian squaw. So there you have Irish and Indian. And mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where it started in the 1800s. And so but you, but me, <laughs> yes, let's 
You were born in Livingston. I was born in Livingston, Montana, um, uh, a long time ago. Um, and it, you know, have three siblings. So my dad owned a glass business and I have two older sisters and a younger brother. And I feel like sometimes I was the boy in the family. <laughs> uh, this is my dad's only son and my brother's going to hear this and this is not going to go well anyway. But no, so it was a, it was a really good upbringing. I feel yeah. like I had a perfect childhood ease through, you know, had, yeah. had great high school experience, um, but left right after high school to join the air force because I wanted to travel the world. I literally traveled the world. Yeah. It's so amazing. Um, How many countries have you been to 13 countries? Yeah. So by the time I moved back to the United States, after I'd left the service, I'd left active service, I'd been to more countries than States within the United States. It's so incredible. So it was really great. And then having two children that were born in Germany, right. That was incredible. But moving back to the United States was a little difficult because, you know, your dad and I had gone through a divorce and it was, it was challenging. Being a single mom is nothing. Uh, yeah. Especially that you um, a perfect children like Denton and I were. Yes. We were just talking about your brother's ADHD <laughs> when he was little. Uh, you, you were great kids. You, you really yeah. are amazing. But moving back to Montana from a mm-hmm. couple other moves living in the South, but moving back to Montana was good because I felt like at that, you know, when we did move back, it was time for me to, to come yeah. back home, even though I thought said I would never come back to Montana. Yeah. And I enjoyed raising you in Denton in a small town in Montana. Yeah. I enjoyed it and you kids did a pretty good job of we turned acclimating. Out okay. You turned out okay. We have a few accomplishments, <laughs> but now, so then I started in 2004, I started as a veteran service officer with this organization, Montana Veterans Affairs Division. And just, I found my niche yeah. and found what I you know, worked medicine in the air force, but that, that was okay, but it wasn't my passion. Yeah. And when I started doing this, I found my passion. So I just kept rising through the ranks. Mm-hmm. And then when I was made, uh, the administrator, the director in 2000, uh, 2018, I was the first woman administrator That's in the so history amazing. of our agency, Oh my God, which was a hundred years uh, in 19, in 2019, they, yeah. it's a hundred years. And the first person in the agency who had ever started from the very bottom and worked all the way to the very top. So that was, and I guess by when I got there, I didn't even realize you had done it. I had done it. It was like, yeah, you just were moving through the motions, just, you know, promotion after promotion. And just right all of a sudden you run the entire state state. It's it's there are times I have to pinch myself because yeah. because most days I'm just so busy and yeah. the stress is crazy that I don't have time to stop and think that wow isn't this a great accomplishment most days I just can't wait to get home right and sit down and yeah put my feet up but yeah and we all do that I, I mean I feel like I definitely have talked about in the past like 
we have to sit sometimes and, and let ourselves be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not appreciative, be kind of, um, wow. I, the word is it's left me. I've left the building (laughs) celebrate. Yes. It took me that long to celebrate our, our successes, to celebrate. I mean, the small things that you have done, because otherwise we get into this like negative wheel cycle of, yeah, uh, there's negatives to every situation and all of that, but we have to be able to be like, you have to be able to sit back and look at this house and say, holy shit. Like I fucking, you did this on your own. Mm -hmm. You didn't have, you didn't have some in, in the, you know, Mm -hmm. in the agency, you didn't have you know, anything you started from a service officer to, and just worked your way up and through hard work, you got here Mm -hmm. and that was all you're doing, which is amazing. So you need to remind yourself, you know, and I think that's very important because our tendency as, as human beings and women, yeah. Uh, because it's, it's praised, when you put yourself last and when you mm, put everyone else, put everyone first. else first and don't recognize your own accomplishments or talk about your own accomplishments. But I think it is important to do that because in this day and age, women don't, yeah. don't sit and talk about what they do. And I, um, I, if, and I think it takes people around us to, re- mm-hmm. to remind us that, it's okay to celebrate yeah. where we, where we were and where we've, uh, you yeah. know, where we've come from and the accomplishments that we've made, because I mean, I, yeah, I, I look at through the years, all of the sacrifices that I made, but I, I did it by choice. Yeah. And so I think, oh, this is really, I mean, it really is cool to look at one of my paychecks and think, man, I, I did that. Right. Thinking about like what your paycheck looked like when like we first moved to Montana or when you first, right. You know, I mean, you did that. That is, that's incredible. And in not that much time, I'm only 28. Again, I'm only 28. You are only okay. I'm only 56. <laughs> you are only, only, only. I yes. keep having my, to tell myself, put only in front of that because you are still young. I might have a couple gray hairs, but you know what? We can dye them. Um, okay. Yes, you can. So what I want to talk about first is kind of our journeys through self-worth. So when do you remember periods of your life where you really struggled with self-worth and did you ever talk to anyone about it? I mean, besides like recently, cause I know we've recently become, you know, so much more open with each other and you with your friends and things like that about talking about this, but you know, through periods of your life that you remember really struggling with your own self-worth. I, gosh, I could give, I could give so many right. examples, um, from the time I was very small until, um, I, I mean, it's, it's, it, Yeah. I think it's a constant struggle Mm. when you are the, I I overthink everything. So that, that feeling of self-worth is, is a constant reminder to myself that I need to, Mm -hmm. when I am feeling down that I'm, I'm okay. I'm enough. Yeah. Um, 
but I think the first time that I really had, I I struggled with self-worth was when your dad and I were going through a divorce Mm. because I felt like it was such a failure on my part and every situation, every marriage is there's, there's two people in a, in a marriage. And at the time I felt like there, you know, I was, I was about 10% wrong and (laughs) he was about 90. Okay. But I mean, and we can, we can, let's, let's just dive into it. So my father was, I mean, one of the most um, incredible men that I have ever known in my life. He was just like, just this figure of, I was just always in awe with him. He was an amazing person, an amazing friend and brother and dad, but he liked the women a lot, a lot more than I think he liked the idea of being married to one person, right? Yes. He wanted you, he wanted to be married to you and for you to obviously raise us because he loved you. I mean, up until his, literally his last day, he always says that was his biggest regret was not treating you the way you deserved. And in turn, you leaving him. That was for his entire life, his biggest regret that he Mm -hmm. ever had. Um, But yeah, he messed up. And you left. Well, and it was, it, it was tell you that, that was tough Yeah, because this was, I mean, we went through several years of back and forth and trying and it was, it was really tough. But I, I remember when I met your dad, I, I was in, I was in awe Yeah, because he was beautiful and he was charismatic. Oh my gosh. And yes he could work a crowd and he was so talented. Oh my goodness. So talented. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember thinking, why can't I make it work with somebody like this? Almost like maybe this man is too good. Maybe he was too good for me. Maybe I just wasn't enough because look at how amazing this man is. And everyone loved him. Oh, everyone, anyone he ever came in contact with. Because he was so kind Mm -hmm. and so considerate, except for um, me. (laughs) Because, yeah, he he loved the idea of being married to me. Yeah. More than being married to me. Yeah. And I'd always heard the the term trophy wife. And then when I got married to him and that's when I realized, oh my gosh, <laughs> I am, I'm a trophy wife. He, yeah. he married me because he wanted to have beautiful, you know, biracial children. Yeah. And I'm not bad looking. And back then I was not bad looking at all. So yeah, I was a trophy wife. Yeah. It was, but again, it, you know, we go into, I, yeah. I married him with a whole heart and I loved him dearly. Mm-hmm. and. It's, it's, yeah, that, that was a tough one. Yeah. You know, getting into work. So that's where my, their, my self-worth really tanked. Mm. That's, I really struggled with that. And then I eventually went to therapy and I said, what is wrong with me? Mm. What, why am, you know, what is happening? And until I did that and figured out why I was choosing the wrong men, uh, dating to, I, I 
finally started to change the the idea of who I wanted, not just the idea of who I wanted to to have a partner to be a partner with, but what I wanted. What did I want? What were my expectations? Mm-hmm. You know, it had always been, well, are they going to want me? Right. Am I going to be enough for them? Well, how about, you know, my needs, my, you know, that matters too. So, but again, in my generation, I didn't grow up auto, you know, automatically assuming that I had a choice and a voice, um, so that was something I had to just learn through life. Right. You were almost raised like your self-worth is tied to being married and the man that you're married and what he brings to the table. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily anything that deals with you. It's that man that you have and the children that you have. Yes. Everyone besides you is determining your self-worth, Yes. which is exactly opposite of how it is. But these are, I mean, these are ideals that are ingrained into our society. I mean, they're just, it's how people have thought for, I mean, forever. Mm -hmm. So then to peel yourself out of that and try and find a different way, you're really teaching yourself how to think. Yes, really. And, and it, and teaching, I had to, I had to learn how to view myself, how to start, um, self-respect and self-love and taking care of me, taking time for me, for myself, because you, you can't, you can't fight that societal image of how women should be viewed in, you know, a, a, a marital situation or, um, you know, in any sort of relationship without, first of all, it's, it's figuring out how do I, how do I view myself? Yeah. Not wording that. No, I understand. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, what do you think you started doing? Obviously you went to therapy And that kind of started your journey of like, okay, it is my own self-worth that needs work. What did you start doing? Was there anything in particular that you did to help you go get through that? Yes. I started by being cognizant of my needs Mm. and what, what I like. Yes. So. I started with journaling a lot, which I've, I, I still have a journal from when I was in fourth grade. I'm <laughs> oh, I'm a journal- with a little, I am a journaler. Yes. With a little tiny key. Uh-huh. So I started journaling about, and my therapist is the one who recommended this start writing down what you, what, what you want in a friend. Mm. What characteristics, when, when you look at friendships, she said, figure out why, what it is about them that you appreciate the friendship that you have with them. What is that character trait or that quality that draws you to them? 
And that's, you, that's who you need to gravitate to towards. And then what, then, then trying to think about what do I like? Yeah. What do I like? Who do I, what, what kind of foods do I like? Is what, that what kind crazy? of restaurants How we do just I like? go through, we like kind of go through life just kind of going through the motions. And I know a couple of years ago when I stopped drinking and realized like, what, who am I? What do I like to do? When people are like, what are your hobbies? I like freeze in terror. I'm like, I read, you know, I'm like, I don't know. And then I'm like, okay, I need to figure out what I like, what I don't like. What do I like to do? What, what do I want to spend my time doing? That's part of who I am. And that's what I want to focus on, right? To build up yourself and yes. to put energy in the things that you love doing, because then you're putting love into the right areas of yourself, which then in turn will improve the love that you have for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's about treating ourselves the way we treat other people that we love, mm -hmm. treating ourselves with as much love and respect as I would you who I love and respect and women in, in our, and it's not just our culture. This is very true across Europe. Honestly, I, I, I don't think I've come upon a culture that that doesn't yeah. view women in a very submissive. And I'm not saying that, that we, that all, that nobody ever appreciates women and that women are so, you know, you know, demeaned and, and we are trampled on and no, no, that isn't the case. There are a lot of people like my father, mm -hmm. one who, who just have an, an innate respect for all people, yeah. whether you're a woman or a man and, and, you know, whatever you like to do, whoever you want to be, be the best of it. Yeah. So, so I'm not saying it's, it's, it's just, I'm down on men, but it's, it's the culture mm -hmm. that has been passed down to us from generation to generation to generation. And then I, okay. So I can't do anything about that. Right. But what I can do and I decided early on what I needed to do was treat myself the way I would want, the way I, I treat other people that I love, treat myself that way. Yeah. And then sit, journal, what do I like? What do I like to do with my time? Not what somebody else wants me to do with my time, but what, what do I really like? That's when I started. And then I was doing, I've always been a reader, but started reading a lot of books on personality, you know, yeah. your personality traits. And so th that got me thinking, okay, well, what does, when I take one of these tests, what, you know, what does that say about me? And it says I'm an introvert. And I always thought, oh no, because I'm so good at talking in front of people. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really good at, at bringing a room together. And I used to sing, um, uh, a lot. And so I, then I realized I'm not an extrovert at all. I'm gen, I, I'm, um, I fuel up. Yeah. By being alone. Right. And so it's kind of the, that's a, a perfect example of someone going a very large portion of their life. Just take care. My mom's grabbing her phone right now. You guys, because 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, people will go through large portions of their life and, and they won't ever let themselves sit and think what makes me happy when I'm doing, and I've talked about this in previous episodes about trying to understand like, what the fuck am I doing here? Well, you need to know what makes you happy. So sitting down and saying, okay, if I had an entire day, two days a week of, I don't have any responsibilities. I don't have anyone to take care of. I don't have anyone but myself. How would you spend that time? No one else is around. How would you spend that time? What would you do? Those things are then your non-negotiable items that you have to incorporate into your life if weekly, if not daily, because those are those things that make your, those, that's what makes you who you are. Then those are really important things to sustain your happiness moving forward. So what makes you happy is part of who you are. You need to make sure that those things are incorporated so that you can live fulfilled and again, right. Living fulfilled then means bringing things into your life that you love, which then automatically just, it fills you with love, which means you're going to love yourself a little bit more. That's It takes a lot of practice. It does take a lot of practice. And what I think people get confused about, or when, when they hear people when they hear you talk or, or when they hear people say, well, you need, you know, you just need to be happy, you, you know, happiness. If you're going to have, if you're going to be happy. Okay. Everything you're saying is 100% correct, but not every day. I can't expect that every day of my life, right. I'm going to, I'm going to be happy. No, some days suck. Yep. They just fucking suck. And there's no way around it. And you have to be able to realize though, that, um, that's not, that's, that's not a vision of your entire life. Mm -hmm. No, that's one day that was bad for whatever reason, everything was going wrong. I got stuck in traffic. My coffee spilled on my dress and whatever, whatever. Okay. We all have those bad days. And I had a bad day like that earlier in the week. And, um, yelled at my husband about something stupid because it was yes. at the end of the day and I'd had enough bad shit yeah. that I, I couldn't, I, I, I hadn't had time yet to sit back yeah. and decompress. Mm-hmm. So it's also important to, like you said, to, to understand what is it about each of us individually that makes us unique and, mm-hmm. and authentic. So I don't have to, I don't, I don't feel the pressure to look on social media or watch the TV and feel like I have to live up to a standard that somebody else sets mm. because I now have the freedom. I guess I'm at the age where I, I'm not competing with anybody. Yeah. I, I have a very, I, I live authentically. I live yeah. free from not the judgment of others because I, you know, and I, I do care about other people's, you know, to a degree, but yeah, it, I'm, I'm not bound by I that. I think that's something that if you, if we can start to grasp that feeling, because that's right. You talk to anyone, either 
in some sort, you know, that have done all of this self-work and have reached that certain point in their lives or people of a certain age and across the board, everyone's like, I don't give a shit what people think about me anymore. And that's like one of the magic solutions, right? Is just being able to live your absolute and utmost authentic self, regardless of what people say with, you know, and do it with love and your life. I mean, everything just gets so much better. So if we can teach younger generations, like as long as you, I always say, right. As long as you are not harming yourself or harming others, live your most authentic self. And that is a fulfilled life. Yes. Because when you are authentic, you're doing things that you love. You're surrounded by love. You're surrounded with things and people that make you happy. You're not worried about what someone else is thinking. You're just living like this remarkable, authentic life. And that is right. When you reach a certain point, you know, in life at a certain age, everyone's like, I don't give a shit what people think anymore. And it's amazing. Okay. So let's transfer that to the younger generation. You know, I'm just starting to get into that, you know, and I think this has really helped me and made me understand that the more that we are open and honest about our entire lives and our everything that we deal with the good and the bad, the more okay we are with it, the more, like the more I talk about all of this shit and the more I do all of this, the more okay I am with myself, which means I'm living a more authentic life, which makes me happier. And I've realized that that is a huge key to people to living authentically is being open and honest and talking and connecting with other people that's what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. It's being open and vulnerable about what is going on with you, whether it's good or bad with the people that are in your, are in your lives. Mm -hmm. And that helps make those connections, which helps you just be more okay with where you're at and live authentically. And what it also does too, is when, when you go through that process yourself and you understand what it takes to figure out who you are yeah, and what you need, what you like, then you all of a sudden find yourself not judging other people yeah, because you know what it's like oh my gosh. To, to go through that process of figuring that out. And it, it's tough. And so the more that I've come through this, you know, 10 year a transformation process for myself, I find myself not judging people yeah. like I would have before because everyone's got a story. You don't know what struggle they're going through. Mm-hmm. Who am I to, to, you know, criticize anybody else? Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'd, I'd like to help them if I can, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's how you raised us too. I remember from a really young age, we would see someone dressed in like goth clothes, right? And you, I would watch you physically like take a deep breath and be like, everyone has a story, you know? (laughs) And I'd be looking at you like, the fuck, you know? (laughs) Like, what is she doing? And as I got older, I'm like, oh, she was telling herself like, remove yourself from that judgment and remember that everyone else, you know, has a story, but that's just, that's how you raised us. Um, 
on that, speaking of that, you raised, you, you definitely raised a couple of strong kids. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But you needed to be strong to get you through a lot through divorce, through being a single mom, moving around all over the place, doing things on your own. Do you think that you raised me the way you did because you wanted me to be prepared for like situations that you might not have felt prepared for to be like this? Because everything that you raised me to be is independent, not rely on anyone. You know, you can do it without you know, you don't need anyone's help. Just do it. Do you think that you did that because you wanted to prepare me for, you know? Oh, that's interesting. To, to be honest, I, I didn't in the early years because I was just trying to, you know, I was winging it as a new, yeah. um, my parents, again, I I'm the third daughter and then I have a younger brother. And so I, I remember wanting to just stay under the radar because I would watch my parents fight because my older sisters were fighting and my brother and I would just try to go away. But I, I just, I remember thinking, I don't need to be part of, of, of a, another problem for them. Mm. And I remember thinking that at a very young age Yeah, and I, I, I don't think that, and I had two, I mean, two parents who really didn't have parents of their own that Mm -hmm. did, that were worth a crap. Uh, they did, they did a damn good job raising us. Yes. Obviously there were things that I would have done different, which that's the beauty of it. You get to do it. You know, you get to improve the process Mm -hmm. with every time you, you have kids, but I remember being very young, maybe eight years old. And my mom realized that I was, you know, going off on my own. Now I was the fisherman. So I was usually fishing, but she noticed that something was wrong. And turns out I was sick, like very sick with a bad stomach, um, virus or something. I don't even remember what exactly it was, but I didn't say anything because I didn't want to ruin the family camping trip. So I didn't say anything. And then of course they took me into the hospital and I was really sick. And it was things like that, that my mom nicknamed me killer. Now, not killer because I, you know, whatever weird reason, but because I, I was just, there wasn't any situation that I just didn't, you know, kill it. I was just, yeah. I was strong. I was independent and I didn't have, my mom was not my role model in that, in that respect. My dad was Mm. now, how does that happen when you have a daughter who emulates their father? And, and again, back in the time when my mom was stay home, you know, stayed home. And my dad was the one who went out of the office. So I feel like a lot of that is probably personality traits that are passed down, right? Like we talk yes. about me and you are like spitting image of, you know, images of each other. Yes. And dad and Denton, yes. you know, Denton is a carbon copy of dad. So I feel like probably a lot of that is just, you got your dad's personality. I did. You know, I did. And, and I've always, I've always been a little closer to my dad yeah. because of that. And, um, I, I love my mom. Right. To death, but I, I am a lot like my dad, but 
then when I, when I was raising you kids, I was, you know, it was, it was challenging at times, very challenging. And I just, I kept, I, I, I remember reading every parenting book that I could get my hands on because I felt like I needed to learn so much, Mm -hmm. but more than, and then, so I was always feeling like I didn't know enough. Mm -hmm. So I kept reading more books and, and just talking to people and listening to anything I could about how to parent, you know, the best way I, I knew how. And I, when it was all said and done, when I got, I think when you graduated and you went off to college, I realized that it was nothing. It was nothing that I told you. I don't think that, that taught you how to be. It was just watching. Right. And that was not intentional. Yeah. I was just, I was just trying to make it through life, not realizing that you were watching me the whole time. And I didn't even, I mean, obviously then, right. I didn't realize that, but as I get older and right now I am, you know, obviously I've I've been on my own for a while, but you know, now, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm on my own. I have a job, you know, a career degree and all these things. I have definitely realized that I, I do things And because you did, I do things exactly like you, not because you told me to do them, but because I just watched you. Mm. I was like, it was, I just observed you, you know, my whole life and just took that. And that is now who I am, Mm -hmm. you know, is this maybe overly independent? (laughs) Um, like I do not need anyone. So like, right. I, I won't even relying on someone else is really difficult for me because, you know, I just, it's not in my nature because I watched you never rely on anyone. And so, and I think that's interesting, right? Because then say, if it were opposite, say, if I had grown up to always see you rely on a man, Mm -hmm. how do you think I would be right now? not independent and, you know, and maybe, okay, not this, obviously it's not case, you know, black and white, but there's a really good chance that I would have grown up to be very dependent on, I guess it could, you know, not a man, but someone, Yes, I would be very dependent on people, but I watched you, you literally did, you were always, you were always, oh, that sounds terrible. You were always alone. (laughs) (laughs) But you were always, I always, whenever I think back on my childhood, Mm -hmm. it's just you Mm -hmm. and Denton. Mm -hmm. Those are the only people that I picture when I think about my childhood. Mm -hmm. So I always just saw you do it alone. So I think in my mind, right, that's created this like hyper independent, you know, I do not need anybody Mm -hmm. for anything. I can do it on my own. And like, it sickens me to feel like I might be relying on someone else. It's like, I get a knot in my stomach and then I get right. Then I get defensive. And then I'm like, I don't need you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and see in there and there lies in the trap. The trap is, yes, I don't need anybody. I don't need to ask for help. I've got this. I can do it all on my own. And someone, yeah, it is a trap because we can't do it all. No, we can't. And we, and we really shouldn't feel ashamed of asking for help. But to this day, 
I, I, I get that same yes. sick feeling in my stomach when I know I have to ask for help from, from something. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, so Scott is my husband. He is so understanding yeah. of my nature. He, um, his first wife was, yeah. She was a doozy. She was a doozy. She was a fucking piece of work. <laughs> um, so it was a breath of fresh air to find somebody that didn't want his money. Yeah. Didn't. I, I mean, I just wanted the partnership. Yeah. And that's all it's ever been with him and I is we just wanted a, a, a loving and supportive partner. Mm -hmm. And he is, he's amazing. So I can, and because he's amazing, we can lean on each other mm -hmm. when we need to cry, mm -hmm. when we are frustrated, when we're mad, when we have to ask for help and we don't want to ask for help. And he knows how independent I am and he knows how hard it is for me to ask yeah. for help. And so it's, um, it's important to find, it's great when you can find somebody like yeah. that, but that doesn't always happen. And yeah. so you have to rely on friends, but it's, it's, it's challenging with people like us who are of that nature mm -hmm. that I was obviously born like this. I, yeah. I am very independent like my dad and I don't have any problem. I remember going, going over to Ger flying over to Germany, Germany when I was, um, oh gosh, like 20. And that's where I was stationed. And my oldest sister, she asked me, she said, are you scared? And I didn't understand her question. Yeah. And scared of what? Said, um, wait, scared of what? Yeah. I, and I'm looking around thinking, uh, what? You're going to be flying into a completely foreign country. <laughs> you don't speak the language. <laughs> they might not speak English. Right. And you don't know anybody. Yeah. How are you going to know where to go? I mean, how are you going to know, <laughs> you know, like you're going to fly into there and like, who picks you up? Do you yeah. get a taxi? I, I guess I just, you know, I think never about it. you were that. like, I don't fucking know. I'll figure, I'll it, figure out it out when I get there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's with the military. So you have a sponsor. So yeah. just automatically. Right. Be, and if I, if they can't pick me up, then I'll piecemeal together some German and ask for a taxi to take me to the base. I mean, it's not rocket yeah. science. Right. It didn't, yeah. it didn't even dawn on me that fear was part of an equation of something I yeah. could possibly feel. Now, that, that's not saying that she in some way is less than. We're just very different yeah. in that way. I think that also, I mean, right, because so we're very, 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 very independent, very mm -hmm. independent. But I think what also plays into here, which it, which has caused a lot of negativity, I feel like in both of our lives is you have hyper independence. Am I saying that right? Hyper independence. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, you have hyper independence and then you also have the inability to really process and understand emotions. And I feel like those two things, they work extremely well in survival mode. Yes. <laughs> so yes. like those two things for us, I'm like, you throw me in any fucking situation where I have to survive. 
and I can easily turn off my emotions and I'm independent and I will fucking figure it out. Yeah. Like I will just, I, right. We're, we're killers. We'll yeah. just fucking, we'll just fucking yeah. do it. And yeah. But, <laughs> and I talked in a previous episode about that therapist that I had. So my ex, um, I told him that I had depression and he was like, if you don't see a therapist, I'm leaving you. And so I was oh, like, God. yes. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I went to therapy and I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like my freaking, I don't even, I don't know if we were, I don't know if we were married yet, but no, we weren't. We were just dating, but I was like, my boyfriend told me that I need to see you because I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I said exactly like that. And she's like, okay. And after like three sessions, she's like, so I'm going to recommend this book to you. It's called <laughs> overcoming childhood emotional neglect. And I'm like, I wasn't neglected. Like, what are you? I'm like, I had an amazing childhood. She's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're too good at sitting here. And she's like, it's kind of scary. Like how unemotional you can be in situations where I know you should be emotional. She's like, so something's going on here that we need to unpack. And I didn't end up seeing her for that long. I don't remember why. And then when I, my um, great breakdown slash spiritual awakening (laughs) of sobriety (laughs) and all of that, I started to realize like, oh, and I went back to that book because I'm like, Obviously I was never, I mean, we were showered in love and affection, you know, growing up, but we were raised to be super independent. And we were also not necessarily raised with the tools from Mm -hmm. either you or dad, because Mm -hmm. you guys weren't raised that way to understand our emotions. So we're just like these little robots, like these independent robots running around and our emotions are like, um, hello. (laughs) You cannot hide us under alcohol and, and drugs any longer. Like we're here. We need to be seen. So I, that was, yeah, that was really, but that was how you were raised too. So it was hard for you. How are you supposed to teach us that if you never learned it? Right. And I didn't learn it. And I mean, you're ahead of the game because I didn't learn it until I was in my forties. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That, and that, that was tough when I had to finally oh learn. God. And I, I, fi- yes. I find myself real. I'll, I'll probably never be as emotionally healthy as some people are. Mm. Um, but I, I seen, I, I look at my upbringing and I don't think, Oh, so- <laughs> it was, you were like, no, see, I look at my, oh, wait, never wait, mind. Wait, never, wait mind. never mind. Wait, never mind. So my mom was over emotional mm. and my father, I can picture him rolling his eyes <laughs> and being like, um, I need to go have a beer and a cigarette because I can't handle this. Yeah. So, and I would be like, uh, I'm right with you. Yeah. Right. And I was the only one that would go with my dad yeah. because the other ones were like, I have one sister who didn't really give a shit. And as long as she was, you know, fine, 
And, and then the other two, they were crying along with my mom. And, <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, what are they crying the about? What, yeah. what is wrong? So I come home from the military. I'm leaving my dad and I would go to the country club and drink. Yeah. So, um, yes, I, so there was, there Healthy was mixed, emotions. there were mixed emotions yes. and, and neither were at a healthy level at right. that time. Later on, they, I think they've started that then they broke up and now they're both happily married to other people, but it still didn't really hit home with me until I was in my forties yeah. that I really started to come wow. in tune to what it was really like to be, uh, to be in tune with my emotions and to be okay with having those emotions, especially yeah. the sad thing. I had the angry thing down. Oh, anger. Oh, I no, not a problem. I am a fucking pro at anger. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Crying. I would, I would rather have my left leg cut off <laughs> than for people <laughs> to see me cry. <laughs> so same. I will, I'll bite it back. Yes. I'll be like, nope. No, I'll like think of something like, I don't, I'll try and think of anything else, but I, right. And I'm, and now I'm like, it is okay. Yes. Like it's, it's perfectly fine. And I, right. Because now I know that. So now I can sit and say, okay, when I have children, I need to make sure that we, cause finding that balance of independence and being in tune with your emotions, that's tough because I feel like those two battle each other mm-hmm. in my mind, maybe not in everyone else's, but in my mind, they, they, battle, they battle each other. It's kind of like getting to a point where you can understand that you need to have both, um, that it's not just being independent or being emotional. It's finding that the balance between the two that makes us strong as humans. And so how do you then teach that? Cause we need to be able to use logic and emotions to get us through life. Almost one in the same. I don't think you can do that unless you have that deep connection to your own emotions and then you can begin to connect with others. So, right. But formulating that and trying to figure out, okay, where is that balance between being independent and being able to take care of myself and, you know, all of those things that I really pride myself on and also letting emotions in and being vulnerable and like, and understanding that that's okay. And I need to be able to do those things to be able to be a stronger person. Mm -hmm. And then how do I teach that to a fucking child? Right. Right. So I'm like, okay, we're going to wait a little while before I have kids. Cause I need to mount, I need to do a little bit more work on this so I can be, you know, teach some little minions how to be, you know, strong. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I look at the kids that, that I nannied mm-hmm. and, you know, I even find myself with them. It's so hard to be, to be emotional with them because I just want to make them as strong as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God damn it, there! I'm my fucking mother, you know. I'm like, no, we will be strong, <laughs> you know. Like little, I'm not raising little Viking children. Like they're kids, but I find myself being, you know, really being like, they don't need to be strong right now. Mm-hmm. They just need to be kids, mm-hmm. you know. But 
also teaching them independence and mm-hmm. teaching them right resilience and all of those things. But then like the, emo- what the fuck? It, it's, it is so I'm telling you it oh my is. God. Oh, and then, then, okay. So then in the middle of all that teaching discipline, okay. The balance of discipline and uh, being considerate and manners and uh, chores and yeah. Parenting is no joke. If it's done. And I heard this when I was raising you kids, if parenting is done well, it's really hard. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time. If you don't care, if, um, you know, you just want to let the kids watch TV all day. Right. Walk all over you. Yeah. Then it's easy. You just ignore them. Yeah. Well, I wasn't okay with that because I was, then you're going to raise shitty little kids. Exactly. And, and I, 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 I was in love with you kids. You, you were my world back then. I mean, you, everything you did was magical and special um, I, I, I honestly, it's still that way. Okay. So not everything you do is magical, <laughs> but it, it, it's, <laughs> I, you know, it's, that's tough finding a balance, tough. but I think, and knowing, right. Like, like we said earlier with me, I learned all this stuff by watching you. I have to remind myself that, that with, I'm like, I, I talk about these kids, like they're my own, but I th- they're my kids. They're my little babies. They will always be, I'll be in their life forever. And they'll be like, I have this nanny who was our nanny for like three years when we were kids and she never left. Like, right. They're going to be at their high school graduation and their friends are going to be like, who's the girl over there? Like with the sign being like, Oh my God. So proud of you. Yeah. Sweetie. And he's like, Oh my God, where's my nanny? Like back in <laughs> She's still here. She won't leave. I'll be like cheerleader. Right. Um, but I now try to remind myself because I still am around them so much. And with any kids that I'm with, and also with people that I'm around my friends, people will mirror what you give out. So if I'm open, if I'm honest, if I'm, if I show vulnerability, and show the ability to admit all of my flaws, admit, you know, when the mistakes that I've made, the things that I'm working on and, you know, admit my weaknesses and my strengths. I feel like that's what other people will learn and mirror back to me. So, right. I, I can't expect to have really meaningful connections with anyone if I don't have a meaningful connection with myself to mm-hmm. give to that person. So that's what I am trying mm-hmm. to do. It's honestly, it's, it's, you will never, you will always be trying to do that Yeah, because you'll, you'll never be there. You never, you never ascend to this place where, okay, all the work is done. Oh, right. I am I am now perfect. Oh, this is a lifelong journey. I will be right doing, you know, doing these practices until the day that I die Mm -hmm. and teaching people the importance Mm -hmm. of doing them all the time, being Mm -hmm. constantly aware of these things that we have to work on as humans to be better. Right. And we're never fixed Mm -hmm. because we're humans. We're not, none of us are perfect. Mm -hmm. So we will never reach a level of perfection, which means 
that we always have to constantly be working on ourselves and improving ourselves Mm -hmm. and the people around us and our environments. And we have to be able to forgive ourselves because I look back at, Mm. you know, when I early years with you kids, well, not even just early years or Denton's bad teenage years, things that I, I just want everyone to know that Denton was a worse teenager than me. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> you, you heard worse. I know. <laughs> no, no, no. Keyword <laughs> worse. Uh-uh. Neither of them were great. <laughs> One was worse. <laughs> and so you wonder why. Yeah. No, but it's, it's, um, forgiving ourselves because mm. sometimes I, you know, we'll, we'll get all of a sudden I'll have a flashback of, of a memory that I mm. have where I made oh, God, a, terrible a terrible mistake yes. when you kids, you know, it was something I said that was or a decision I made and it was hurtful. And I, I wasn't as sensitive as I needed to be, which was usually the case, but, um, and, and I have to forgive myself for that. Yeah. That's important. And I've done a lot of forgiving. I've, I've, I've done a lot of telling you and Denton, yeah, I'm really sorry. I know you probably don't remember this, but I do. And just for the record, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. I was a shithead. No, you were not. <laughs> I just, no, I want to say that I don't wish you had done anything differently because the mom you were and are to me is the reason that Denton and I are the way that we are. And we're fucking amazing. Okay. Now, now you're my favorite right now. I know. <laughs> I am the favorite. I just want everyone to also know that. I'm the first favorite. But everything I am, my strength and my passion, it's, you know, Denton and I, it's because of you and dad, but you were our rock. You were the pillar of stability for us. Mm. I mean, you were that, you are, were and are like the one thing in our lives that we can always count on no matter, Mm. no matter what we do. I'm just... I mean, everything that we put you through throughout the years. Oh my God. I'm just so blessed to have you in our corner. Yeah. You're the most incredible mom I could have ever. I just love you so much. Oh, thank you, sweetie. I love you too. You're just, you're so inspirational. You're, oh, you're just fucking amazing, mom. You're just fucking amazing. Thank you, sweetie. I think, I think that's it. Can I tell one quick story before we're done? Yes. Tell one story and we'll wrap up. Okay. So one thing that I remember that, so when you were 12, I was going through a very difficult time. I was, you know, starting it. I was pretty new at that new job as a service officer. Right. I was still going to school, taking night classes. It, I was super busy and wasn't getting very much time to go running when I needed to, you know, de-stress. And it was just, it was a, there was a lot on my plate and Denton was really challenging at that age, mm. at his age. 14. Oh, cause he was 14. Yeah. yeah. So it was just really tough. And I remember coming home from work one day and it was during the summer and you, I walked in the door and you said, mom, mom, (laughs) sit down, come in the living room, sit down. So I sat down and you said, 
I know that this has been really challenging for you. You've been working so hard and you've been stressed. I could see how stressful um, everything is, you know, work and, you know, and Denton and I, you know, we are, you know, we add to your strategy. I forgot how you worded that, but you said, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help you deal with this stress. I'm going to try to be more of a support at home and more helpful at home. Do you remember that? No. Okay. So you handed me, you, you made this, your little creative self, you made a little coupon book Oh my God. and you wrote on Stop. each little piece of paper, <laughs> one free dinner, prepared oh. dinner, one, one free back massage, one free house cleaning one. And you, there were several of these oh and you said, and I've already started dinner for tonight. Oh my so God. Go Shelly. To sit back and just yeah, put your feet up. If you want to go for a run first, and then I will have dinner ready for you. But I just want you to know you're an amazing. Shelly, I was oh a my- blubbering. Oh my God. And I'm crying. And then you're crying. <laughs> the only time that's a crap. Yeah, right. It was amazing. And I thought I've done a lot of things wrong, but I obviously did something right. I've never forgotten that. It was, I did. So, (laughs) but it was, it it was amazing. That's just, and that's how amazing you are. So you make being your mom easy. Now, now, (laughs) yeah, now. I, I didn't know that within a year you were going to become a hellion. Oh yeah. 13 was a, not yeah. a great year for yeah. me, but 12, um, you were in still 12 I was still an angel. <laughs> yeah. Once we had 13, it was out downhill from there, but, oh, I don't remember that. That's so amazing. See, I love you. Oh, I always, I and you. I always have, <laughs> and I always will. <laughs> you better (laughs) okay guys that's a wrap for us today thank you so much for listening if I can leave you with anything it would be that our purpose is to break the cycles to promote self-love and acceptance to promote the values of deep and meaningful connections of leading with strength and courage vulnerability emotion and love If you want some additional content or want to reach out to me, follow me on Instagram at remarkably underscore us. You can also check out my website, remarkablyus.com for all my blogs, information and episode links all on how to live your most remarkable life possible. Feel free to reach out to me anytime if you have any questions. If you think this episode would help anyone, please share, be kind, and never forget how wildly capable you are. Till next time. Bye.